CDC's data published just last year, 2022, 60% of Americans now have at least one chronic disease, 40% have two or more. We just passed prior to the pandemic, 42.5% of Americans being overweight or obese, I'm sorry, clinically obese, and 72% being overweight or obese. 130 million Americans having type two diabetes, prediabetes. 60% of Americans have some degree of heart disease. 100 million plus Americans regularly sleep deprived. I can go on and on and on. Right. We're not doing well. In 1999, the average American child's diet was made of 61% ultra-processed fake food. By 2018, that number was 67.5%. Almost 70% of our child's diet here in the United States is made of fake food, ultra-processed food. Sean Stevenson joins me today. He is the host of the Model Health Show, often number one top-ranked health podcast. You can check him out also on YouTube or whatever audio podcast app you like to listen to. Sean is just like one of those super awesome, dope people who is cool, but also obsessed with science, obsessed with kind of like up-leveling and helping other people do exactly that. So whether it's relationships, mindset, your body, your family, the way that you sleep, the way that you eat, he's the guy you wanna to listen to. You probably have heard me talk about him endlessly. Like Sleep Smarter was a game changer for me because I read that book about the same time I realized, oh wow, I need to change the way that I sleep and most of the advice out there just, it didn't work for me, it didn't feel practical. He followed that up with another great book that just became another number one seller, and that is Eat Smarter. And not only do I love him, but I love his wife. I love their kids. They're so fun. They're so dope. And today we are just sitting down to talk about that, like how to up-level your family culture, how to get healthier. How do you improve not just your health, but like how do you do this for your whole family? And more than just food and nutrition and exercise, like, what does it mean to have a healthy family? So without further ado, I welcome to the show, my friend, Sean Stevenson. Oh my goodness, that's so awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for letting <laughs> me use your studio to bring you on to talk about a topic that's like really important to both of us. I wanna lead off with your definition of a healthy family. How do you wow. know if you have a healthy family? Wow, what a question to start with. <laughs> You know, the first thing, obviously, well, maybe it's not so obvious, mm. is that it's going to be unique. Mm. No family is the same. And, but within that, of course, there are some core ingredients to okay. what a healthy family looks like. And, you know, some of the core pieces would be connection, mm. you know, and we say words like this, but like, what does that actually mean? This means being able to have this availability you know there's a statement that's seek first to understand and then to be understood yes. right so an atmosphere of understanding an atmosphere of curiosity an atmosphere and some of these words might sound a little bit like some tough words but an atmosphere of patience okay and an atmosphere of growth as well accountability challenge because another thing that is not talked about in the context of relationships like we think this is the notebook you know this is not that real relationships, long-term healthy relationships are going to incite challenge. It's gonna incite conflict. And so the ability also, of course, to navigate those challenges and those conflicts with an air of love underpinning it. So another core ingredient would be affection. And okay. affection comes in different packages as well, but we all require closeness, touch, proximity. And it's gonna be different depending on different people. I even have different 
levels of affection and connection with my different family kids, members, yeah. my kids. Me and my older son is more like, there's a lot of <laughs> muscles involved in the in a hug, you know what I and mean? And a lot of dancing. And a lot of dancing, right? And we're definitely quick to like link up on a dance move. Whereas my younger son, we're very much more like close and kind of like huggy, like feet on him. He's 12, okay. he just turned 12. And Jordan and just turned 22 today. 23 today. 23 The Jordan today. year, it's the oh Jordan year. Oh my gosh. And same thing, my wife comes from a culture where affection was kind of non-existent. Okay. It's like she didn't see her, her father and mother like ever hug Did or you? that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, in spots. Okay. In spots. I had a model of my grandmother and grandfather. They were very okay. loving. Well, that's why right? I wanted to walk you back and you, you know, so, and I don't want to stop you if, if mm. you, there's more elements that you think are part of a healthy family because what yeah. you haven't mentioned is anything about weight or exercise or food. Yeah. Are those included? That part, yeah. But I love that you started with like, yeah. Like the emotional stuff first. Yeah. That's the stuff that influences those other things. Okay. Crazy thing is we try to address the other things first yeah. and then try to have healthier relationships. Dude, right. And again, like these kind of misconceptions can happen to any of us. But I've really found, I've been in the field right now. I'm about to cross 21 years this month. And so early on, of course, I was like, this is the way, whether it's like through food, whether it's through exercise, Sleep obviously is a big part. All these things affect our health, but yeah. it's our relationships first and the quality of those affect everything else. And this isn't just hearsay, by right. the way. One of my colleagues who's sitting right in that chair that you're sitting in, he's the director of the longest running longitudinal study. This means they follow you around basically, <laughs> right? On human longevity and wellness okay. yeah. ever constructed. It's been over 80 years and it's had multiple directors. He's the latest to get the torch passed to him. and their data and again even him he's very skeptical which i love that in a scientist to be skeptical yeah. he couldn't believe their own data that had been compiled and so he had to kind of retest things outsource checking with other researchers but their data affirmed that the quality of your relationships is the number one influence on how long you're going to live i need right. to unpack that and i'm going to so yeah. I, i'm going to write myself a little note because hashtag <laughs> adhd but i want to know did you have the elements that you just mentioned growing up? Like, did you have a household where people, you felt understood, where you felt connected, where people were present, where, where there was patience? I feel like my life was a big experiment. There's a statement that God doesn't call the qualified, God qualifies the called, mm, right? So life was hello. kind of qualifying me to do what I'm doing today. Yeah. And this was regardless of what I thought my life was going to be. I grew up in two very different atmospheres. Uh, my mom had me when she was barely 18 years old, but you know, I've never met my biological father. Okay. And so, but my stepfather came into the picture when I was just a baby. I was oh, okay. just under a year when they got together. Mm -hmm. And so I had that aspect of a lifestyle with my mother and stepfather, but that was drugs, alcohol, inner city, violent environment. That's what that environment looked like. And when I, when I would go to stay at their house, because I'm gonna tell you about the other environment. Yeah. But to stay at their apartment on the weekends, I would be sleeping on the floor. There's like mouse traps, mice, all the things. My mom worked at a convenience store overnight. Just again, to put food on the table, my stepfather was a chef. And working at the convenience store, one of those evenings, she was stabbed eight times. I uh, never knew off. this. Yeah, and I've got tons of stories like this. You were she, how old when that happened? I was about 
six. And even within that, she was fending off somebody trying to rob the store. Okay. My mom is really She's badass. She's tough, like different. And so she restrained the guy and the police got her. But anyways, but when After she- After being stabbed? Eight times. And so- She's- When she went to the hospital and they gave her the stitches and all the things, her physician told her that if you weren't so overweight, you would have died. <gasps> you being a heavy set woman saved your life. Do you think she's ever going to let that weight go? It protected her, just saved her life. And so this kind of like- Did it's that one message of those impact you? Like, was there a way, like, were you forming a belief about weight from that incident? I mean, I know you're young. Of course, there's these subconscious things. You know, of course, like, I'm, I'm glad that she survived that and that she did have that extra, whatever that looks like, but- this is gonna branch out after I tell you this other side. Mm -hmm. I'm not exaggerating, not one family member in proximity, not just my nuclear family, but branching out without one chronic disease or more, all right? And that's mm -hmm. what, really what I grew up in. And so I had that environment, and at the same time, going to school from kindergarten till second grade, and also I stayed there a lot previously, just because sometimes my mom didn't have a place to stay, right? And so I would live with my grandmother. Okay. It was a very nice part of town. Okay. And I walked one block to my school, to the local school. There was so much certainty and safety and routine. She would say prayers together with me each night. Mm. She would basically, I had my own little table and chairs to like sit and have my dinner. Wow. And I had opportunity to, you know, everything that I could imagine. For how many years? For three years, like really strong years, but these were like very impressionable years. Like really? I remember yeah. so much of this. Wow. But within that, I also saw the relationship between her and my grandfather. And there was so much love. I never saw a conflict. Not to say they didn't have it, sure. but there was just this underpinning of love and affection. And she had so much of that for me. That's where I got it. My mother, I can't remember my mother hugging me until I was an adult. Not to say that she didn't. Not to say that she it's didn't. It happened every now and then like some random thing. But my grandmother, she was very affectionate towards me and just made me feel loved and seen. And if you had to pick one word to describe what you felt in that home, not from her, but in that home, what's the word or emotion you felt in your grandmother's home? Important, I felt important. That gave me goosebumps. Yeah. What one word would you use to describe the way you felt in your home with your mom and stepfather? Scared. <gasps> yeah. Does, has that influenced the way you parent? Of course, it has no choice but to. And I didn't realize this early on, of course. You just start to replicate things that you experience from your environment. You saying you felt scared makes me wanna cry. Yeah, I mean, that's just the environment that I was in. But he, even within this, this is what people don't understand if they don't come from where I come from. Mm -hmm. There was also so much beauty in this environment as well. So this is real talk. There were times we live in places where there's gunshots, there's a chance to drive by if you're just outside playing. Um, Where'd you grow up? all over St. Louis, okay. which St. Louis, even today, unfortunately, is the murder capital of the United wow. States, all right? And so, and also just losing family members as well to murder, prison, all those things. And there's a high likelihood that I'm following in those footsteps being in this environment. Because eventually, like, why did I move back with my mother at yeah. third grade? It's because my grandfather kept having heart issues. Mm. And so they moved back to his hometown, Southern Missouri, far away, that kind of thing. It was like a choice that was made between my mother and my grandmother for me to move back in with my mother. But anyways, even within that environment where it's just like so much uncertainty, yeah, 
there's also a lot of love as well. And also, by the way, we were getting food from charities. Like this is a place called the Hosea House, food stamp, wick, all this stuff. Wow, again, my mom, they're trying to make ends meet. Mm. But this brought about this level of creativity being in this environment. So people see this kind of stuff like little, maybe in a movie, like putting the crate up on the pole to play basketball. Yeah, no, yeah. like we did that shit, yeah. like for real. And creating all these different games and finding creative ways to bond with our community, being able to be creative even with our food. And one of my most beautiful memories, because my stepfather just passed away just a couple weeks ago, actually. And he was in assisted living for almost 15 years because of brain damage from drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. This was during the crack epidemic. Next door to that place that I'm describing, there was a crack spot. Just literally there was a walkway and then that's where it's getting made and sell sold from. And so, but anyways, one of my fondest memories was all we had in the in the refrigerator, we had some pasta sauce was sitting on the shelf. Okay. Like some ragu or whatever it was. <laughs> And there was some frozen deer sausage from that my grandfather had hunted Venison. and sent in the freezer. Okay. There was some government cheese, right? So that block cheese. And there was some Texas toast that we got from the WIC program. And my stepfather made pizzas out of that wow. one day. Like we didn't have anything. We're like, you know, we're hungry. You know, like we don't have anything to eat. And he whipped that up. That's and, crazy. That's a core memory for you. And it didn't, here, let's be clear. It didn't taste like Domino's. Right. But. The fact that it was pizza. Yeah, it was pizza. We called it pizza. The fact that we ate it together. Yeah. Right? It was just because kids love that. Like, I love pizza. And, like, we made it. We got to have that. And I got this experience of this person making something out of nothing. And that skill, that, that character trait, that inciting of creativity came from that environment as well. How old were you when you, like, do you remember looking around and going, like, this is not healthy. These people aren't healthy. These people are, are ridden with disease. I want to do different. I'm going to do different. Were you consciously thinking like, I'm going to be a healthy person when you were young? Or did you not even think about it? I consciously knew that I was not going to be like this. Ah. I consciously knew that I wasn't going to create an atmosphere of fear for my children. Mm. I consciously knew that I was going to make a difference in the world. I didn't know what that was though. But these are the seeds that were planted for my grandmother and watered by my mother as well. Because despite all of that stuff, my mother really busted her ass to put me in position, trying to get me into good schools, that kind of thing. So it's just like, but I could say, ignore that part and just talk about all the bad stuff. Mm. But that creates suffering for me. Right. You know, she was doing the best that she could with what she had. And the same yeah. thing with my stepfather. Yeah. You know, I just shared one of those core memories. It's such a beautiful experience that he gave me. And he gave me so many memories like that. Yes, there was a lot of negative things that happened, but I get to choose what I carry with me. Yeah. Maybe you've considered using CBD to help you to become more relaxed, to deal with anxiety, or to deal with aches and pains. I personally find that CBD combined with a few other really important all natural ingredients for sleep have changed my bedtime routine. But I do want to mention that there are other ways you can use CBD because it is a natural product to help eliminate inflammation, to help with anxiety, with depression, sleep issues, back pain, joint pain, lots of other solutions. I can't go to bed at night without taking my sleepy gummies. However, you should keep in mind that you get 15% off 
everything Soul makes when it comes to their CBD products, which are 100% organic. They are made here in the USA. They have zero THC, so you don't have to worry about getting high. And not only is that a claim that they make, they third-party lab test all of their products so you can rest assured that what you're getting is actually what's on the label. But if you're in the United States and you'd like to get 15% off all of the CBD products that they make, including CBD products for your pets, go to getsoul.com forward slash Shaleen. That gives you 15% off. And that 15% is taken at checkout. A lot of you have said, I've added it to the cart and I don't see the discounts. It is when you go to checkout that you will see the 15% is automatically taken off the total. Again, that's getsoul.com forward slash Shaleen for 15% off. Why are you, I mean, listen, you talk about like, you are like one of the most researched people I've ever met. Like it's fascinating how your brain works. It's fascinating to just to hear your story of like how you grew up and the influences you had and how people probably expected you to, things to turn out for you, right? You really talk about, again, like the science and studies and you break all this stuff down you make it really palatable. People can consume it and understand it and you don't always take a, a stance, it's like, I'm just gonna lay this out for you and it should be pretty obvious. What is it though that makes family such an important piece? Like this latest book that you've written is about family. You could have written a book about weight loss and it's like a guaranteed number one bestseller, right? You wrote a book about family, about connection, about food, about like how to do this together. And I think it's really interesting to hear your own backstory. But what you're taking on is so intensely difficult to change the way families eat. And what is it that motivates you to do this? All right. So just even that lead in that it is incredibly difficult. Yeah. Right. That's attractive in and of itself for me, oh, my okay. personality type. But also the fact that all my years, the clinical work, all the speaking, all the teaching, all the writing of books, I saw that this was the biggest leverage point. Because both you and I have tried to, and, and successfully in many rights, but get people to target behavior changes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Do this to get this result. Yeah. But what we don't realize a lot of times and why we blame other people when they're not able to do the thing or they're not sustain it is that if you give people a behavior change and then they go into an environment that is anti that behavior, right, right, right. right the culture is completely opposite or even inundating them with behaviors that make that behavior change even foolish or you know whatever the case might be it's very difficult to make a healthy change in a culture that is unhealthy well you say culture but like it's even difficult in your own home that's what i'm talking about specifically okay let's talk about culture all right so what is culture yeah what is culture culture is defined as the attitudes values beliefs behaviors of a group of people that's then passed on from one generation to the next. Okay. All right. That's what culture is defined as. Now we have macro cultures and we have micro cultures. The macro culture in the United States, currently, we are the sickest society in the history of humanity. Isn't that just history. like ridiculous? And by the way, let me this, I'm just going to throw, rattle out these facts. Okay. So All right. CDC's data published just last year, 2022, 60% of Americans now have at least one chronic disease, 40% have two or more. We just passed prior to the pandemic, 42.5% of Americans being overweight or obese, I'm sorry, clinically obese. 
and 72% being overweight or obese. 130 million Americans having type 2 diabetes, pre-diabetes. 60% of Americans have some degree of heart disease. 100 million plus Americans regularly sleep deprived. I can go on and on and on. Right. We're not doing well. No, we're not. But that is the larger culture scape. And we both have spent a lot of time trying to change that. Yeah. Right? Don't go to the drive-thru. But the drive-thru just is. It's a thing. And it's going to exist. Where we have real power is our microculture and what we do within our household. Okay. But even that starts with a cultural shift within ourselves. Because we ourselves are a, are a cultural vessel. Because what I saw, and even just recently, taking my family to a place we've never been before, going, we went to Maui, we went to Hawaii. Yeah. And I saw that when you go somewhere, you take your culture with you. I'm a reflection of my culture. So you can plant me anywhere, and I'm going to be an example or a model of where I come from. And that is infectious also. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, again, we take our culture with us. We are a product of our environment, absolutely, but yeah. we're also creators of our environment. Okay. And so now here's the other part. As I went to that culture in Maui, I saw something on display that was affirmed in all the studies that are in this new book. And by the way, when you talk about the science, there's never been a, a cookbook like this before. There's over 250 scientific references in a cookbook. That's crazy. Directing us towards like, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. But going there, we see this kind of dramatization of something that was a part of all of our heritage. For them, it's a luau, right? Yeah. It's the procurement of food, the hunting, the gathering, the food preparation, and the celebration together. Yeah. We evolved with that. Yeah. That's how humans evolved. And so to see it on display and this kind of, again, dramatization of this thing that has been pulled away from our culture. And so my question was this, could this process of eating together be something that our genes need, that our DNA expects from us that's possibly leading to the behaviors that we're doing and the mm -hmm. poor health outcomes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is where everything changed. By me asking that question, that sent me down to, you know, like I mentioned my friend who's the director of that long-running longitudinal study yeah. with, with health, some other researchers at Harvard compiled all this data on eating behaviors, families eating together, and health outcomes. Okay. And I was like, when I first when I saw it, I'm like, how is this not like everywhere? This is really, people should know this, but, I, but it's I like there was a lot of stuff. We do know it. And we do know it, We right? do know it. Yeah. And and so, you know, that's the, that's the thing. Like you talk about a culture, right? And you know, it starts with us. But Sean, there's so many homes and I mean, I have close friends where there's two cultures within the home mom and sometimes dad are doing something completely different from their kids. Like mom and dad are eating green salads and, and avoiding processed foods. And then they're buying all the things that, you know, you talk about this right. in the book, the things that have the cartoons on the box and because they, their kids want it and yeah. they want it. So we're going to give it to them. And yeah. we're, we feel disconnected to, I think our kids in so many other ways or, you know, maybe it's a blended family and we're not seeing our kids all the time. So we just feel like I want to give them all that they want because this is love. That's number one. And number two, I want to say this. This is speaking from personal experience. I sometimes, if I'm being honest, would live vicariously through what my kids got to eat. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. eat that. Yeah. But like their metabolisms are through the roof. You know, they've, they've got abs and they're running around like crazy. So... I desperately want to eat these, you know, pink, my downfall with those pink cookies that had like little sprinkles on top. They're like cake cookies. 
at like Ralph's, you know, the ones I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I buy those every week for my kids. I did. And those are garbage. That's garbage food. (laughs) That is crap. And I would buy it for them because I was like, they can eat. I was living vicariously through them. So that was like a splintered culture within my home. And I think this is happening a lot. So how do you get us? I'm going to throw myself into that, you know, this pot. Like, how do you get us to understand like it needs to change for the whole family? Yeah. The, the cool thing about this is that I'm not speaking about this through some idealistic lens. I'm, I'm speaking about this from where I, I've experienced this. Yeah. I have this very unique experience growing up in two distinctly different households. Yeah. And within one of those, although this one looks like the more this kind of more structure and, you know, health, health affirming, but my, my grandmother was giving me those. They weren't eating that at the time. Oh. She was giving me those ultra processed foods because she wanted me to be happy yeah right so i know what that's like and so but here's the reality she is the queen of the culture she's the queen of the culture yes all right you see you already know where i'm going and so this is where we put the power back in our hands but we have to be more intentional about the culture that we're creating regardless of where you are right now with the ages of your kids you are still a benevolent leader benevolent yeah you could be benevolent dictator but you have so much influence, but know your kids, right? Being mm. able to pay attention to mm. what excites them yeah, and what de-excites them, what motivates them. We were talking about this when we were doing my show. Yeah. Um, what motivates them, we know those things, but sometimes because we just want people to do what we want them to do, we don't take the time to just like pay attention and yes. to be able to communicate. And we do this also with our significant others as well. If you would just act right, don't kill my vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, then everything's going to be good. But people are not going to do what you want them to do all the time. Right, which is so. why in the book you talk about, and I, it reminded me a lot of, it's just your through line of everything you do, which is like, it's attainable. Like yeah. that's why Sleep Smarter work for me. That's why Eat Smarter works for people. And you talk about in the book how, like don't flip everything upside down. All you're gonna get is everybody to revolt and like running at you with pitchforks. Like don't do that. So give me a specific, like my kid loves, and is gonna throw a fit if tomorrow morning they don't get their sugary cereal. I can't come home with something, you know, that's the healthy version of that. What do I do if if they just won't eat then? I heard from so many people, they're like, please ask him, how do I handle my picky eater? Oh yes, of course. So cravings are cultural. What your kid eats is based on the culture that they're exposed to. They're not gonna crave something that they're unaware of. And so Mm. it's the introduction of these things Mm -hmm. in the first place that we have to take responsibility for. We can't just say that it's someone else's fault. We are creating these connections and they're very strong neuro associations that we have with food. So first of all, we've gotta have some compassion for ourselves, but also responsibility. The compassion is you're not alone. My book is the first published piece of work demonstrating this new study that just came out. This was published in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association. They looked at the diets of American children the past about 20 years, Mm -hmm. from 1999 to 2018. Okay. In 1999, the average American child's diet was made of 61% ultra-processed fake food. 61%, okay. By 2018, that number was 67.5%. Almost 70% of our child's diet here in the United States 
is made of fake food, ultra processed food. And what does that mean? This is not like processing. Humans have been processing food forever. Yeah. It's not like taking meat and cooking it or olives and pressing yeah. the oil out. Yeah. This is a field of corn or wheat eventually becoming that bowl of Lucky Charms or Fruity Pebbles in right. my food Pink, memory case. coated All of those whatever's. chemicals, food dyes, preservatives, additives, the whole nine, all right? Not to mention this ab incredibly abnormal amount of sugar that's just siphoning itself through the human body very, yeah. very quickly, including our brains, by the way. The human brain is maybe like 2% of our body's mass, but it will gladly, and this is according to researchers at Harvard yeah. again, it will pull in 50% of the sugar you just consumed will get shuttered to your brain mm -hmm. because our brains evolved looking for that glucose source. Yeah. But now we've got so much of it. So, but yeah. How, how, do I, how? Okay. Okay. Look, I get this. I think anyone who's listening, like, they're like, I know this. I know this. No, I know this. They, we but don't it's hard. know this. We don't know this because but it's hard. My kid's going to be unhappy and all of his friends are eating this stuff. And then they're going to complain. And I don't have time because we're running late and I, I don't have time to fight this battle. What do you say to that parent? Like, what, just what responsibility do we have to be the parent? Okay. Last point with that was we don't know that our kids are addicted. We're, we're mm. little addicts, all mm. right? And big addicts. This stuff is very, very powerful. Yeah. So trying to rip the Band-Aid off is not the solution either. Okay. We've got to understand what we're dealing with here. This is a very strong neuroassociation, our connection to food. So with that said, you just said another kind of key phrase, which is, I don't have time for this. Yep. Okay, ladies, I have to interrupt this episode for just a moment to talk about something that just never really worked out for me, and that is shapewear. I have so many friends who wear industrial strength Spanx undergarments that supposedly suck you in. But whenever I tried them, I felt like it just pushed all of my parts into like another area. So I'd like have a roll in a place where I didn't need a roll or like the undergarments would like roll down. Or if they didn't do that, they just, I don't know, I didn't see a difference. So I didn't understand the point of wearing extra garments underneath my garments until Honey Love. I don't know what it is about their technology. I'm not an expert, but I do know this. The stuff works, and it's why they are the number one rated wedding shapewear. So I don't know if you're going to be the bride, or maybe you're going to be the mother of the bride, or the mother of the groom, or maybe you're just going to a wedding this summer. And I don't know why I'm talking about weddings, I guess, because that's when I think about wearing something that shows every lump and bump, and you just want to look your best at a wedding. Or maybe you just want to look your best this summer. If that's you, Honey Love is your answer. I'm telling you, their shapewear does not roll down. It lifts you where it's supposed to lift you. And for whatever reason, it like just smooths everything out so you don't just push all of your extra parts into a place where they don't belong. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And because you're a listener of The Shaleen Show, you get 20% off when you go to my link, it's honeylove.com forward slash Shaleen. So you don't have to remember a code. In fact, you don't even have to remember that link because we put it right at the top of your show notes. You're going to thank me later. Trust me. You get 20% off. This is shapewear unlike any other. Check it out. Give it a try. Honeylove.com forward slash Shaleen. You're welcome. All right, back to the show. You just said another kind of key phrase, which is, I don't have time for this. Yep. That's what I was starting with. And I was trying to set the story of like, this. these are the conditions that we're dealing with right now. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty dire and complicated, but at its core, it's something that we oftentimes 
don't want to deal with. It's That's right. hard. That's right. It's hard, but it's you get to choose your heart. <laughs> all right, because that path that they're on right now, yeah. that we're on as families, mm -hmm. is going to lead to disease and dysfunction. We know mm -hmm. where that's headed. Mm -hmm. Or we can do the work right now wherever we, our children are at. But here's the thing, and this is now let's talk about what we can do. Okay. The fastest way to something not working is through suffering. All mm -hmm. right, you could suffer your way into changes in culture and body change and different health practices. Sure. But it's very difficult to sustain something that you hate. Right. All right. And also, you have to understand, humans, we love freedom. We love our idea of freedom. Yeah. We don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to have the freedom. And so what I mean by that is our culture determines what choices we make. And what I mean by that is, for example, a culture will just say, you just came back from Italy, right? Yep. And so that culture that you saw eating all this wonderful food, kind yeah. of closer to proximity of where they came from, Yes, going for a walk every evening. If they don't have a 7-Eleven in that old kind Which of they town, that's right. they're not really aware that people are eating Funyuns, right? Mm. If, if, if it's not in their proximity, that's right. they're not gonna have a craving like, you know what, I really want some hot Cheetos right. right now. Yeah. We crave what we're exposed to. Cravings are cultural, okay. right? And so with that being said, what we need to do here is understand that the fastest path to change is through reward and through love and through what I call delicious experiences. Okay. And so we know what we're up against. I already set the yep. the, the table for that, pun intended, set the table. <laughs> but now we've got to come in here. We have to provide something of equal or greater value. Okay. That's the solution. You can't just take the cereal away and not expect the townspeople what, to revolt. Give me an example. Right? I so, want a specific example. All right, all right. Okay, so we've got to, of course, knowing our child. Uh, yeah. Number one, a huge leverage point is we like options, but not yes. too many. Okay. All right, so if you're just like, I'm taking your cereal away. And you get and, this. And you get this, right? Instead, you come in with an option, right? So maybe it's just like, okay, so today, do you want this blueberry you know, ice cream smoothie or ice cream? Yeah. Okay. Or oh. do you want, you know, whatever the other option is, you know, Love it. A, a bre breakfast burrito, right? <laughs> right. So like come to the table Smart. with options, but also speaking to where they are, what is attractive to your child. And also this, but you have to deliver on that. You yeah. can't just say this is blueberry, you know, ice cream smoothie or whatever. And it tastes like whatever, you know, yeah. we've got to make this delicious. Okay. And we can do that with real foods, mm -hmm. right? That's part of the problem is there's this like dichotomy, like healthy means right. lack yeah. versus, right? And I remember my little brother, my little sister, you know, coming from this environment, <laughs> it was maybe like, I don't know, maybe like 15 years ago, I went over to his house and I just transformed my health. I was helping all these people now. And we were standing outside. It's kind of still tough vibes, tough guy vibes. Right, right, and he's right. like, I heard you eating organic. organic. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, basically I eat the same thing you do is just not spray with pesticides and fungicides and herbicides. And you yeah. know, I shared a little bit like, you know, these are very whatever. And he just kind of looked like, but that's healthy food though, right? Like for him, it's like, it can't be as good as what I'm eating because Absolutely. it's yeah. organic, That's right. right? So it's a mindset. It's a mindset. Right, and because also we've been inundated with ultra processed food, all of our advertising that triggers the 
deliciousness. Yeah. The pizza pulling in the commercial, the alcohol, all those, every commercial you see is for ultra processed foods. That's right. There's not like a omelet commercial. You know what I mean? It's just like, we've got to understand what we're dealing with. But in, let me give you an example. So humans have been driven to eat sweet things forever, but we villainize our desire for sweet things. It's, it's very silly. And I'm saying this because, for example, what that would indicate through our evolution is that there's a dense source of energy here in this sweet thing, which would generally be honey or mm. sweet fruit or yeah. even semi-sweet fruits. Mm -hmm. And also that's energy to shuttle to the brain and to also stockpile some energy potentially if we come across a famine. And so we've evolved with these drives to eat sweet things. But yes, food manufacturers have manipulated that desire today. But is our desire for sweetness bad? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, honey, which I just mentioned, and I shared over 40 specific foods that have all of this science to affirm this, I'm very bullish on honey right now mm -hmm. because there's so many different sweeteners out there and they go in and out of favor, yeah. the debates, of artificial and even natural ones, yeah. quote natural ones that still look like sugar, by the way, processed mm -hmm. sugar. Mm -hmm. But I shared a study in the book that found that not only does honey not cause this abnormal glucose spike like other sweeteners, but long term, it can actually improve your fasting blood glucose by eating honey. That's abnormal for a sweetener. Why would it do that? Also dramatically improving blood lipids, so blood fats, and essentially reducing your risk of cardiovascular disease. To call honey a sweetener is, is like, put some respect on my name. Right? It's like, it's not, it's not just a sweetener. Yeah. It's so much more than that. Yeah. And it's been prized for thousands of years. So honey, for example, like getting your kid to switch from whatever it is that they're using, like sugar on top of their cereal to honey, maybe mom's doing that. Like, but how do we get this culture and the family yeah. together? Like, again, I think oftentimes mom or dad are doing something that's healthier than what they're doing for their kids. Yeah, the most important thing here, and you talked about this when I interviewed you as well, is the modeling. Where do your kids actually get to see you doing these things? Even when we're working on our fitness, a lot of times it's like my mom is going to this gym place mm. and she's doing stuff. She comes back all sweaty and happier. Like, where is she really going, you know? Yeah. Instead of like, let's involve our kids in some aspects of this, give them okay. exposure. Where do we get this exposure with food? It's at the dinner table. And by the way, when I say dinner table, this could be breakfast, this could be lunch, but we evolved eating together. That was a part of how we connected. And suddenly that's been pulled away from our culture. And I say suddenly just in the last couple of decades, currently only about 30% of families eat together on a regular basis, according to that data from Harvard I mentioned. And what they found was that when families eat together on a regular basis, the children have a significant increase in consumption of real food, including the intake of essential nutrients that prevent chronic diseases and significantly reduced intake of processed foods like yeah. chips and soda. All right, one more study. Yeah. Another study, this was a, two different studies I'll put together to, to kind of wrap this up, published in Pediatrics and published okay. in JAMA. They found that when families eat together just three times a week, the children have significantly lower onset or risk of developing obesity and other kind of disordered eating as well. And so again, this is just stacking conditions yeah. for our families by having that practice There's something about eating together with your family. This doesn't mean we're automatically gonna eat super healthy food. Okay. And for me, I gotta share this last one, this is super fast. I was like, well, what about if we don't have a lot of money? 
because that's where I come from. Yeah. And there was a study that was done, and I highlight all of these things. Pretty much everything we've covered is in the book as well. Yeah. But looking at minority children who are generally in the context of a low-income community, yeah. and they found that these children who ate together with their families four times a week, whatever meal, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, four times a week, ended up eating five servings of fruits and vegetables five days a week and significantly lower intake of chips, soda, and other processed foods. There's something What's protecting. going on there? What do you think it is? Two things. Well, there's actually five things, but two <laughs> quick things. Number one is that this engages a part of our mind of planning, right? So humans, we're always kind of thinking about things, questioning things. We've got running questions in our mind, like what are we gonna eat? Like family dinners Wednesday night. So it's just in the back of our mind. And so it's just going to alter our behavior subconsciously to like make sure that we are eating a quote healthy dinner or a well combined what we deem to be a healthy dinner which might be you know some fried chicken and potatoes and whatever but even that is going to have a tendency towards bringing in some more real food elements so if i hear you correctly mm -hmm. if i'm can restate this just start by trying to eat together more often and like make that step one you don't have to switch everything out to organic quinoa and broccoli you know yeah. if if you've been bringing home kfc bring home kfc but this time sit down and eat together and just do this in a way that's gradual and everyone doesn't revolt here's why it works is that okay. now you get to see your child yeah you get to see them you get to really start to understand their character traits how they speak what they're attracted to. That's how you have power to help to change what they're eating. We have to spend time knowing your child. And this is one of the greatest challenges mm -hmm. today because we're so disconnected. We all have our devices. Our devices are divisive. They Oof. just are. And with that, they can also be a unifying thing. They have their pros and cons. But at the table, this is an opportunity to really see them and for them to feel seen. And that changes the whole game right there and of itself. So again, we come into this like, I have a picky eater. We have to be attentive and it's harder today. We can do it though. And this is some of the other things that we talk about because there isn't a one size fits all with any of this stuff, by the way. Mm. And sometimes- Okay, that's fair. And, and by the way, it isn't to villainize that food as well. Like that damn cereal can still be a thing. Let's stack conditions and make sure we're getting in these other things. Okay. And here's another thing that tends to happen is that information from that real food that's coming in. Food isn't just food, it's information it starts to shift the body's intelligence yeah. and what you start to crave, you know? So all this is kind of stacking conditions for, for people. I told people, you know, everyone loves you and you've been on the show a bunch of times. And so, you know, I told me you're gonna be on the show. I told them what we were gonna talk about. And I said, when I tell you the concept of this book, which is a mission for you, right? I mean, like this is an initiative. You went into this with an intention. It's about family. It's about the people that we love. And if we say we would lay our lives down for our kids, if we say like, I would do anything to help my child avoid pain, we have to look at what we're doing that's going to cause them pain in the long run. But I asked him, I'm like, when I tell you what the, you know, the title of the book is Eat Smarter and it's it's a family cookbook. And it's about, you know, eating together and eating healthy and, and learning to do these things together. And I said, hit me right away with your first thoughts of why you can't do this. And Sean, like every message, almost every message, very similar themes. We're all busy, no one's home at the same time, all picky eaters, we're just not on the same page. Just a lot of this has to do with 
we're all going in a million different directions. Mm. So how do we get people like like that's a real thing? Yeah, Elizabeth has volleyball tonight, and Duke has football, and so my husband's going to go this way. I'm going to go that way. We're coming home with different like. How do we get them yeah. to do this? And I, mean, I think we always think dinner. Yeah, but maybe the problem is the culture that's that's separating us and creating us so that everybody's running in different directions. <sighs> if we say that our family is the most important thing to us, and I know many of us would, that's what we say, but what is our life show? How are we actually living our lives? And not to say again, we've all got responsibilities, there's a lot going on. My son, he just started playing AAU basketball in Los Angeles. It's a lot. Are yeah. These tournaments, it's like it sucks up so much. I found creative ways to make this work, right? And so sometimes when we travel, right, this is an opportunity for us to bond. Sometimes even if the game is just, you know, an hour and a half away and we can drive back, maybe we might get a room, him and I, and just spend time together and sit down and eat dinner together yeah. and maybe just hang out and then watch a movie after. Like I find ways because he's my priority to connect with him. And it's harder today, it is, it absolutely is, but there is a way. And so, you know, even with that being said, that's gonna be a lot of, the the resistance yeah but my mission is to let's stack conditions to make it easier for us to make healthier choices let's stack conditions to make it easier to connect and here's another big takeaway for everybody quality over quantity this mm. doesn't mean that you need a whole elaborate whatever you yeah. know two hour whatever this can be 30 minutes of sitting down and having coffee right or you know i make my son this little hot cocoa whenever he's out of school. school, So, you know, just sitting down and, you know, having a, a, a beverage together, a little snack, but just spending time, be present. Wow. And putting the devices to the side so you can yes. actually be there with the people yes, you yes. care about. I mean, that's why I love this book and people need to get on the pre-order of this book ASAP, depending on when you're listening to this, because it's, it's important. And I know you love your family. I know that you, would lay your life down for them. And the the studies and the information that you share in this book is so powerful. It's these kinds of things that once you know it, you can't go back, you know what I mean? But also that it's almost less about the food and more about the connection. Yeah. And when you started this episode, our time out today, you said a healthy family, you didn't mention food, but all of these things are only possible if we're connected and we've got to find a way to do that. And so the book is Eat Smarter, the family cookbook. Yeah. And people, look, of course, I, I love me, you know, an iPad. I love encouraging people to, you're thinking about it right now, so you should go grab the book. Like, we'll put a link below in the show description. Is there another place you want to recommend people to go check it out? We got to say this last piece, which is the secret sauce to all of this is the delicious food. My family and Dude. I were big foodies. And so when we're talking about, recipes. listen, but when we're talking about something like my kid with the candy, we have snicker bites in the book. Like we're just upgrading the ingredients. For me growing up, I was a huge fan of breakfast sandwiches, like going yeah, to McDonald's. Yeah. Like I have this upgraded breakfast sandwich that's going to knock your socks off. It's one of my kids' favorite breakfasts. We're big brunch family. We love pancakes. So we have these sweet potato protein pancakes. This has to be done through the the language of deliciousness. Yeah. Right. Give people things that are of equal or like greater value. Like the burgers, value. the the fry. Yeah. You've got avocado fries. Like so many delicious recipes. Yeah. But also, it's a beautiful book. It's beautiful. Your family's involved in it, and you just the love pops off the page. This is a great resource for anyone. But Sean, I know this is something that's really important to you. You've been able to change the legacy, your family's legacy. And it's pretty powerful to think the thousands, perhaps millions of people's 
families whose legacies you have the ability to impact them in this way. And guess what? It does take work and it takes intention. And I think if you love your family, if you even if you're, it's your spouse, like maybe we're talking to people right now who don't have kids, but you, you have family. Maybe you live with your parents. And so I encourage everyone to pick up the book. Thank you. And of course, people can pick it up anywhere. Books are sold, okay. pre-ordered, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and go to eatsmartercookbook.com. Okay. That's where we have all the incredible bonuses, which you are part of the 2023 Family Health and Fitness Summit yes. as well. So you get free admission to that. It's $300 and you get it for free. Okay. So it's going to be amazing. We're doing a bunch of giveaways for fitness equipment and food and all kinds of cool Every stuff. Every time you launch a book, you, you put together these incredible bonuses that are just like next level. <laughs> amazing so i will put the link to that so people can go there and get those bonuses because like why wouldn't you right thank you so much for letting me use your studio for being such a great friend and being such an incredible role model to not just moms and dads but humans like you're such a great husband and a great friend so i really appreciate you thank you so much Shalene. that means everything thank you yeah 